This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. going on digital wildcatters welcome to another week of oil and gas startups podcast got a great friend of mine on the show and actually a show that i'm really excited about because i think this guy's one of the biggest movers in the uh, houston and the houston scene so it's my friend mush khan at alchemy industrial dude welcome to the show thank you so much for that I, kind I, introduction i know i know we were scheduled for like two months ago and uh, yeah just I, dude, I was excited i was excited to do the podcast, <laughs> I woke up and I was like, man, I got this badass podcast and you didn't show up. I know, then, yeah, exactly. Uh, my, my feelings are hurt. Were they? Are you okay yeah. now? Or I'm, you okay still now. I'm okay now. Working you're, through you're, it? You're here now, so. We can uh, hug it out if you want. <laughs> Dude, we got to hug <laughs> okay, it out. Okay, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, we can do a dance off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that. Yeah. I, I don't think people want to see me dance, you know. Me I've neither. got the, yeah. the, the, the cliche white boy oh, dance do you? moves. Yeah. I kind of figured that. Yeah. Well, you know, the Indians are not really known for. The dance moves either. No, man, I see some Indian weddings. You guys, you guys get yeah, after it. <laughs> but I was, I was born and bred in England and America. Oh, were so, you? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How so do you, you get that? You're kind of like a white Indian. You got like the the yeah. the, the British culture. Yeah, com- completely lost, culturally lost. <laughs> That's you know, hilarious, man. So, lost. dude, tell me, you know, I I've been out to y'all's. Uh, Y'all call it a lab? Like, I call it a yeah, lab. Yeah, it's kind of a lab. Yeah, yeah. it really yeah. is. Yeah. Y'all build shit there. Like, you're doing some we really cool shit, stuff yeah. there. So tell us, you know, tell us what the company is and what y'all do. For sure, yeah. So just a bit of the backstory. So we we were founded about two years ago. So uh, so me uh, and uh, John Weinzerl with Catla Capital, who is uh, who has a family office, sort of a low-key family office. Right, I can I can hear my 19 year old cringing right now. My use of the term low key. <laughs> yeah, low I probably key. used it wrong, didn't I? I think no, I, did. I thought it was good. Is it uh, appropriate? Yeah, no, yeah, it's appropriate oh, uh, usage. Yeah, yeah. Azim, if you're listening, that's for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, uh, and then also uh, Andrew Malik, who's an uh, uh, engineer that um, that you met when you were out there. So yeah, Andrew's a great guy. He's I a great guy. To, he's a gifted engineer. I, I think the best manufacturing engineer that I've ever worked with. Wow. Yeah, he's really. He's the kind of guy like you give him a red meat manufacturing problem to solve and first reaction will probably grumble a little bit and then you <laughs> kind of walk away, give him a little space and then you come back 24 hours later and he's probably figured it out. Yeah. Come up with an elegant solution. And so, That's an engineer's engineer. He's also a big car guy. He's a big uh, car guy. Home, so. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, in fact, uh, John uh, and uh, with Catla is a big car guy too. One of his other investments who they're kind of co-located with us right now. Uh, a company called Revolution Paradox is an off-the-market car company. So they're okay. building really incredible stuff. In fact, you should come back out and check yeah. them out. What they're doing is yeah. pretty amazing. So I need to bring Jake out there too. Jake's a big car guy. Yeah, himself, you know what's so. funny is like n- none of this car stuff is in my blood. For yeah. me, it's like transportation. If it was invisible, like, you know, Wonder Woman's plane, yeah. I'd be fine with it. Yeah. I don't care what it's it looks like, like. I drive a Toyota Camry. Yeah, like, I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, so we, we formed Alchemy. Uh, it's so interesting that we, we, well, interesting to us, we formed it just with sort of a uh, an idea that we knew that or uh, we thought that manufacturing would be reshoring into the United States. And so um, about five years ago, six years ago, uh, I spent some time working for a company who had its supply chain in, in China and Indonesia. So I spent a little bit of time there. And... Um, so I began to notice a few things when I was in China. I'm by no means a China expert, but one of the things I noticed was that 
each time I would go back, the the labor rate was increasing, mm. like literally month by month. Sometimes it would wow. go up, and um, <clears throat> and so um, so I sort of began to pay attention to that. The other thing that um, that I really started paying attention to was manufacturing technology like three D printing and robotics, AI, machine learning, like yeah. all the buzzword stuff that sounds cool, but yeah. is actually really hard to do. Yeah, um, that was becoming democratized, and so. You know, um, yeah, I think it's wild that you just walk into like Best Buy now and they've got 3D printers crazy, there. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. I mean, the technology's. And all of that, I think it's really about the user interface. So if you can make it more intuitive, then more people can use it. Yeah. And even engineers, like a lot of engineers cannot or will not code. So, yeah. you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, uh, maybe more recently, if you wanted to implement a, a robotic automation system in your, let's say, in your machine shop, you probably needed to do a little bit of coding. And yeah. now these are kind of low, no or low code applications. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was the second factor that uh, that um, we noticed was that m- manufacturing technology was democratizing. And then the third one, and I've talked about this a lot, that um, I, I believe there's a massive manufacturing wave that's building in the world. And so if you look at, you know, the world has six, seven, eight hundred million people who still burn biomass for fuel or for heating or whatever. Yeah. And so what happens when all of those people start consuming things like phones and, you know, bicycles and washing machines, et cetera, the requirements to build are massive, like mm-hmm. gargantuan, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, so we put all those factors into a bucket. And then you look at uh, in the United States, especially Texas, energy costs are relatively low compared yes. to the rest of the world. Manufacturing, one of the biggest cost inputs besides labor is energy. And so if you combine a, a favorable low energy environment with uh, the fact that labor input is less of a competitive factor now because of Chinese labor rates going up and then automation taking labor out of manufactured products, then it really didn't make sense just to manufacture in places like China. And so and that doesn't even take into consideration like agency risk 100%, with, yeah. uh, in, you know, just especially in today's world where yeah. there's a lot of conflict out there. And yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. I want to dive into this because yeah. this is something that I've talked about on our podcast before, but I've never had a manufacturing expert here on the show. You know, I have this thesis and, you know, you and I have talked mm-hmm. about this briefly, but this thesis that you're going to have a ton of onshore manufacturing over the next couple of decades, right. especially co-locating with energy assets. 100%. Mm-hmm. Because you look, I mean, energy is upstream of everything, yeah, right? And right. it takes energy to build things. And you look at, you know, especially countries like Mexico. Like mm-hmm. I'm so bullish on, Me on Mexico because mm-hmm. you have competitive uh, rates in labor. Mm-hmm. You have access to energy. You know, we have... Um, and I'm no by means an expert on, you know, NAFTA and mm-hmm. our trade yeah, yeah. agreements that we have. You're but, doing great so far, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, literally you go Highway 59 yeah. and you get into Texas and yeah. you get goods and materials. And so um, this this whole idea of manufacturing coming back to North America and really being driven by abundant, cheap, reliable mm-hmm. energy. I mean, those things are so intertwined that, you know, manufacturing, supply chain, logistics – Oh, yeah. are very much a part of the energy industry. Yeah. And yeah. I think that Houston is extremely well positioned for that, given mm-hmm. all the resources that we have here. So I want to I want to dive in. Yeah, I love all that. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I agree on that completely. And let's go a bit deeper on some of the things that you mentioned, Colin, because I think you're right on the 
Either Let's, we're both right or both wrong. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. We're both on the same page. Yeah, exactly. Of if it's right yeah. or wrong. Right. Let's talk about Houston yeah. real quick because I want to talk about where y'all's, uh, where your lab, your facility yeah. is located because it's part of this really cool space, uh, Easton Makers Hub, Hub right. um, which is on the east side of uh, Houston. And I came to visit you there and. Well, it was like 300,000 square feet or something like crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah, Massive place. I don't even think that you and I, you know, we just, I think we were just like one one little corner of the building. Um, You're also on the board of it. Is yes. that correct? Yeah. So so, uh, the East End Maker Hub is a development that was uh, put together by two groups, two nonprofit groups. One is TXRX, which is a uh, non-profit maker, maker space here in Houston, one of the biggest ones in the region, probably okay. in the country now, and, um, and up CDC. So, so both of those organizations put together the East End Maker Hub. So it's a real estate development. Um, and because of its location, because it's in an opportunity zone, there's some advantages for investors to, to put money into that development. And so um, that, uh, that strategy produced what is, as you mentioned, a 300,000-square-foot space filled with manufacturing companies of different kinds, including Alchemy Industrial. So we, is it like a, is the idea like a co-working space yeah, for yeah, manufacturing? Yeah, it's like a manufacturing like, kibbutz or something. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's it. People walking around with bare feet, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you have kombucha. And, we uh, do, yeah. <laughs> we do, yeah. Fridays are interesting there. Uh, so, yeah, it's... it's um, yeah, I think there's some co-working elements to it, but what I've noticed is that the co-working is really organic. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we've done some business with people that have been in that space and um it's just you run into people in the hallway, you start chatting and it just happens, which I think is when I think about building community, yes. it's very hard to build it top down, I think. You yep. know, community community kind of exists and sometimes it needs a place to coalesce. Yeah. So, the East End Maker Hub, like the work you're doing, I yep. think is like that, Colin, because there is definitely a digital wildcatter community out there, but until you showed up, they didn't necessarily have a place to come. Yeah, you know? so you need a place for people to congregate. And if you look at our thesis for our events, our thesis is that if you can get a bunch of smart, forward-thinking people together in right. the room, you have these collisions happen. Sure. And those collisions are the catalyst for ideas, collaboration, and opportunity. It's yeah. exactly what's happening there is that you just mm-hmm. have this talent and um, IQ density of yeah. people in this building. And, you know, you may be walking through a hallway and you run into someone or you need to know something specific. And you're like, hey, let me run down the hallway right. and, and talk. And that's how innovation and ideas happen. And that's so, true. Yeah. you know, places like this are super cool to me. Um, One thing I want to add to that yeah. is that, um, yeah, I agree with what you just said. I also think that um, uh, innovation like that doesn't have to be constrained to a physical space. I think that yeah. Houston, circling back to the point you made earlier, Houston, I think, has a unique opportunity in this century to become the world's manufacturing leader. And I would say we are already the world's manufacturing leader because no one in the world, I would argue, knows how to make real stuff, put it on a back of a flatbed or on a barge or on a vessel and ship it all over the planet. Yeah, We're uniquely qualified. You look at the you look at the community of people who have figured out how to do that over multiple decades. It's pretty spectacular. And, and and the figuring out is supply chains and humans and universities and other organizations like TXRX. And the list goes on. Mm-hmm. And so it's so deeply embedded within our culture, the idea of making stuff. Now, I would also argue that what we make has to change. 
and what we make has to meet the the forward demands of, of the world. You said something earlier that I think is really important that the energy infrastructure has to match sort of the new way of making. So I would argue that that manufacturing um, on a global stage is becoming less concentrated. So one place won't be the factory of the world anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even within a country or even within a region, I would argue that manufacturing is atomizing. Again, some of this is driven by manufacturing technology. So you don't yeah. necessarily need to be big to feel big to your customers. Yeah. So a lot of technology allows you to do that. Like look at your business. So yeah. 20 years ago, if you try to pull off digital wildcat, that was really it would have been really difficult. Yeah. You, think about, yeah, you start a media company, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, you got to go try to start a network on no, cable nuts. TV. Yeah, nuts, yeah. Now you look at the biggest media platform is Joe Rogan. That's right. And he started yeah. off with a podcast. He did, like this, yeah. And that's still all he is, is a yeah. podcast. And yeah. the the barrier to entry is so low and yeah. he, there's so many points of leverage that yeah. you can reach a worldwide uh, audience with very little resources, yeah. right? And I think, you know, it... I think it's such a cool time to be living. It is. And it yeah. doesn't matter if you're a content media company, if you're tech, if you're manufacturing, mm -hmm. these points of leverage and the ability to build and um, have more of an impact with less resources is a super I think cool that's time. That's exactly to be alive. right. Yeah. And it's, you know, we, we have sort of the power of kings now in, the, in our pockets, more than that. Yeah. King, kings never had the power that we had in, on our phones, you know, <laughs> yeah. and so, and maybe it's too much power, but. So manufacturing, I think, I think what you just described about media, there is an analog to manufacturing too. Uh, the barriers to entry and the cost for entry are definitely higher because you have to buy stuff, equipment. Mm -hmm. But even you know, people are even beginning to innovate how you buy equipment and you know, hardware as a service and those kinds of things. So yeah. the market really is so brilliant in so, so many different ways, and it begins to figure out figure things out. So I think Houston, Houston has an opportunity to really take advantage of it. And I think the principal thing that we have to continue to maintain is the respect for manufacturing talent. Mm -hmm. And that if anyone's listening to this um, outside of Houston, and you probably have like billions of people listening. To your oh, podcast, billions, you know, yeah. Yeah, billions yeah. even. Literally like two billion. Two billion, like <laughs> all the billions are listening right yeah. now. <laughs> but I think if you're a smart manufacturing person, come to Houston. There's plenty of stuff to do. Yeah. The, the list of problems is so long. And the, which to me, those are all businesses. You know, you, you if you list a hundred problems to solve, those are a hundred businesses to build. Percent. You know, and so yeah. I would say we've got to win the, we've got to win the war for talent. And and I think, in my experience, and this goes back to to innovation, Colin, that you just talked about, uh, friction is deadly to to innovation. Yeah. And so I think the best talent wants to go where the ideas flow the easiest. Yeah. And definitely you need access to capital, you need access to customers and help, et cetera, yeah. but it's ideas. Yeah. You cannot penalize people or punish people for coming up with ideas, yeah. especially bad ones. Yeah. Because all the good ones are mixed in <laughs> with all the bad ones. Like I'm, a li I'm living proof of that. Probably 80% of what <laughs> I've ever come up with was you know terrible. It's but very hard to <laughs> differentiate between what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. You don't know. You know you don't it's know. funny, like on content, I have the stuff that goes viral for me. I have no idea. Nuts, right? Uh, yeah, I have yeah. no idea what's going to go viral and yeah. what's not. And usually 
there's a strong correlation between the piece of content that took the least amount of effort <laughs> goes viral. The one that I spent so much time, like yeah. it's no views. And yeah. so it's the same thing with building businesses and ideas. You just never know. You don't, um, yeah, you don't. You know, with Houston, I, I think that one, when you look at like the uh, quote unquote clean tech, climate mm -hmm. tech, whatever you want to call it, right. and this can take everything from wind, solar, hydrogen, um, sure. whatever it may be. But there's been this kind of focus on places like Boston. Yeah. That, you know, Boston's the hub for climate yeah, tech. Yeah, whatever, and, yeah. And it's like- Sorry, Boston. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Great people We love Boston. you. I've been yeah. to Boston. It's a great city. I've never been there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't have an opinion on it. But, <laughs> but what I do know is that Boston is not a place that you make and build heavy infrastructure yes, and no. hard physical tech. That happens here in Houston. Hey, yeah. you want to be involved in in hydrogen, and I think that hydrogen is going to play a massive part in yeah, looks like um, manufacturing mm -hmm. and and building things. That happens here yeah. in Houston. You know, you look at what we have with the ship channel and mm -hmm. and the size of our port and things that like it's nuts. Just I mean, every people that, someone's already paid for all that stuff. Yeah, and like you, you just, get to use it. <laughs> yeah, you just look at it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm going to tell a story that's kind of like out in left field but i just heard this that's story surprising that, you would do that yeah you know? <laughs> yeah it's very out of character for me <laughs> when do we start drinking is that that might get yeah, yeah. might get a little more fun yeah uh and so i uh the, i heard this story last week but this uh guy in houston oil yeah. and gas puts his entire life savings into developing this tool not going to say the tool because it'll it'll dox who he is yeah. um, but it's a very well-known tool in the oil and gas industry and puts his life savings into mm -hmm. um, one coming up with the idea and then manufacturing it on his own dime. Oh, he wow. makes one product and he sells it to a rig in uh, India. Yeah. And he puts it on a boat here in Houston, sends it over there. It ends up getting stolen. Oh, my God. They hire an assassin, essentially, to go hunt down the people that You're stole it, yeah. get it back. That's and commitment. now he's extremely wealthy um, <laughs> because the tool turned yeah. out to be really great but yeah, oh my um, God. Yeah. i want to try to get him on a podcast to show that tell that, that story but yeah, yeah for sure but just the ability to um to build things here i think what you said removing the friction um you know i think texas overall it does is yeah. does that mm -hmm. um that's why we have such a prosperous economy is right. because we've removed so many restrictions and, right. and friction you know, when we talk about, I'd love to hear your take on this because I have this whole thesis on the future of West Texas. You know, mm -hmm. I come from Midland, okay. um, grew up in West Texas, and I look at manufacturing and especially around things like uh, the space industry mm -hmm. and, and aerospace, things of that nature. West Texas is so power and energy dense yeah. from wind, solar, yeah. oil, natural gas. I mean, mm -hmm. just a powerhouse but also has a very technical workforce. Yes. You know, oil field hands, welders, engineers, things of that nature. And so I think that um I think that the future you're gonna see, you kind of talked about this, how you start seeing even in areas fractionalization. Um for sure. Uh, and it's not just like a central location, but yeah. I think West Texas actually has a bright future in the manufacturing industry because you're gonna start seeing these plants co-locating with energy assets. I think that's those. true. And you you mentioned um Mexico uh so I think that the dynamic you described is is uh, one that I agree with too. Yeah. And in fact, I think the data shows uh, that direct direct labor costs, so like the unit labor costs of a human making something, 
that that is now lower and lower in Mexico than in China. And so and that's one thing you, yeah, I didn't even think about that until you yeah. brought it up um, a little bit earlier about the cost of labor in yeah. China's going up. And that was the whole value proposition that's in right. the first yeah. place. And yeah. so that's actually not something that I thought about. But yeah. so you're saying that in Mexico, it's actually hit that. Yeah. So think about this. Getting the, cheaper. This is related to sort of your West <laughs> Texas th thesis, which I agree with. There is, I think, a challenge with, just before I get to the addressing the thesis, I think there's a challenge with. Let's take solar as an example. There's certainly, you know, the sunlight is bathing West, te West Texas. Mm -hmm. And at least today, the demand for power is east of there. You know, so you have a transmission problem, I yeah. think. But on, on the Mexico dynamic, um, so let's take a look at that phone or this microphone that we're, we're talking into. So every manufacturing product is made. It's really not one product. It's made up of a series of things. And if you look at it just through the labor, labor lens only, there are things that are more labor intensive, usually assembly types of things that are hard to automate. Automation is actually very difficult, in my opinion, and it's very, it, the inclination is that people over-automate, and then you know, robots are dumb. They're, they'll only do what we tell them to do, and they're not yeah. great with dexterity all the time and vision, which are two, I think, the, the two compelling business opportunities in robots. But um, So you, took, you, you take, take a product and you break it apart, so you can make the case that for things like assembly, pure assembly work, a lot of that's going to migrate to to uh, Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, for perhaps the kind of the higher order manufacturing parts of things, a lot of that's going to stay in, in the U.S., particularly in Texas. So I can see if you drew, let's say, a 200-mile, 100-mile band, you know, into Texas from the Mexico border, uh, I think that that's going to be a, a, a hot spot for manufacturing. Yeah. And you could probably do a little bit more work than I just did, but yeah. you think, okay, like, is it Monterey or is it where in Mexico is going to, is it going to win? Yeah. I think the place to look is like, where are the big guys already going? Yeah. You know, cause they're the ones that they are sort of plowing, plowing the field for the rest of us. Like small yeah, they're laying small the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I think Flextronics recently or a couple of years ago, uh, located to Mexico. I can't remember where they went, but you know, I would look at that and then say, okay, where is Flextronics? And where around them could you could you build manufacturing businesses that are focused on assembly? You know, and yeah, so yeah. It's a really interesting dynamic. I think I'm it's I'm as bullish as you are. I'm extraordinarily bullish yeah. for Houston. Um, I'm a Houstonian. I've been here since 1990, which is probably like 10 years before you were born, or 100 years before you were born. <laughs> it was one year after I was born. What? <laughs> I was born in '89. What? Yeah. You're Actually, so old. barely. I was born in December nineteenth, eighty nine. So. Oh God, you were so old. But the, uh, um, you know the uh, <laughs> the, the um, oh, I had a I had a thought and and I lost it. Well, we were talking about labor that? in Mexico and oh yes, um, yeah. So Veril Energy Solutions. Um, I actually I've been talking to them because I want to go create a piece of video content and go down to Mexico because they have this facility. Um, I believe they have one in India as well, yeah. but they have one in Mexico, and they're the biggest manufacturer of uh, tricone roller drill bits. Oh, interesting. Um, and yeah. they manufacture not just for themselves, but some of the other big providers. And those are manufactured down in Mexico, and you know they employ a thousand mm -hmm. local people down there in Mexico. And so, um, you know, there's already companies even in the energy industry that are vertically integrated in manufacturing down right. there. Yeah. And so and yeah. I've actually been down to Guadalajara and um visited some manufacturing plants mm -hmm. for some for some product that I was trying to launch um 
whole different story. Yeah. Um, I need to talk to you about that. Yeah. Because yeah, absolutely. If I could just figure out the manufacturing <laughs> piece, I think that it's a good product. Yeah. Um, but I went down there and, um, you know, super one, I, I love the people in Mexico. They're yeah. Extremely fucking hardworking. Yeah. And just, yeah. I'm glad good, that we can swear. Good Gosh, people. You broke the seal on that. That's awesome. Dude. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I mean, I've been holding back. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Is, I don't know how to be polite. I mean, this is, I don't know what to do with my hands. This is my podcast, dude. Okay, good. You know, I cuss Fuck like yeah. a sailor. All right, good. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, I just like, I brought down the tension in the room. <laughs> That's so funny. Exactly. <laughs> but speaking of that, you have a podcast, right? I do, so, yeah. So we, uh, it's on, it's on, uh, it's on hold right now because we want to launch season three. So, yeah. so speaking of like, you know, shitty first versions. So my first podcast uh, uh, was, or is, just a zoom zoom recording and you know we yeah. we released the audio yeah had some great guests i think we got up to like 24 25 episodes nice yeah so uh, and that was that's my a lot goal. of work dude it was that's i didn't realize i didn't know honestly yeah. what kind of work it would be yeah and um you know i think the production quality is okay you know yeah. but it's uh i really try to emphasize number one can i get good guests and number two i wanted to learn what's involved like how do i do interviews and you're great at this and 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 uh and so we so we launched it. It's called manufacturehouston.com. We haven't released in a while. In 2023, we want to launch season three, but I want to step yeah. up the the quality. In fact, you and I have talked about collaborating on it. We yeah, should dude, definitely need do to something. need to work with Digital Wildcatters done, to do done, that. Let's done. do it right Let's here it. on the show, man. That's yeah. fucking A. We're in. We just did a deal. So here's what's funny <laughs> about that, Colin, is that um, uh, that uh, so I looked for the name digital. I mean, it's not digital. Sorry, you already got that manufacturehouston.com yeah and it was available that that url was available yeah. so first of all i was excited because i registered it for like 19 bucks yeah but secondly i'm like why on earth how could this url be available <laughs> in like 2021 <laughs> isn't that nuts yeah why didn't someone already take this yeah you know yeah but that also tells you i think it speaks to a problem and an opportunity which is Yes, there's a great Houston manufacturing community, but I don't think it's as organized as it could be. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is, It is. I think there's an opportunity for someone, and it's going to be us, yeah. to sort of be that coalescing point like you built yeah. with Digital Wildcats. And so yeah. the fact that it was easy to register means that no there's opportunity. opportunity there's opportunity. That, yeah. yeah, someone's not. So that's the yeah. idea. You know, I, I'd like to, I'm going to sort of just think out loud with you on yeah. Manufacture Houston. So I yeah. do think there's a continued opportunity to release podcasts what i'm maybe equally even more so interested in and i'd love to get your take on this is that i want to tell stories of all the manufacturers in houston not just like the industrial guys yes but there's a lot of people in houston that make stuff and yeah. that includes everything from you know from great chefs to boot makers to upholstery yeah, yeah. whatever because uh the the data i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna probably mess up this data but I think Houston has one of the largest counts of manufacturing firms in the country. Oh, really? It's a very long tail. Yeah, yeah. Manufacturing supply chain. I'd love to tell those stories and yeah. you know tell the stories of the entrepreneurs because these are the people that are running a business, making enough money to pay the mortgage, yeah. you know, buy food, etc. I think we should elevate that. Manufacturing deals with all the same uh, problems that the energy industry deals with in terms of storytelling, attracting talent. Yeah. Um, you know, there's another company out there called BuildWit that's very similar to Digital Wildcatters, mm -hmm. except they're uh, based around the dirt world and like building things. Construction? Construction, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 
and which also has heavy overlap with energy. You know, yes. a lot of their content, they're in mines, they're out yeah. at solar plants, things yeah. of this nature. Um, and they've, they've had success. Like we've had success because people, you know, you think I always like to use this persona, a kid up in New York city, Yeah, you know, he grows up in New York city. They didn't grow up. Like I grew up out in West Texas where I'm exposed to the oil field, yeah. people building mm -hmm. and doing things Just all around you. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. they don't have this medium to be exposed and learn about these things. Right. And what happens is, you know, you, everyone knows about tech. They mm -hmm. know about Google and Amazon and Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And that's like the only cool career path for them. Yeah. Because that's what they have exposure to. But you start building and telling stories mm -hmm. of people that are in this industry and showing the cool shit that they're working yeah, on. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, you're getting this exposure. You know, it's funny. I was at this uh, private meetup up in New York a couple months ago. It was like 20, 25 people, all, you know, founder CEOs mm -hmm. of media companies. Mm -hmm. And one, they're blown away. The Digital Wildcatters has built this community-centric media company and energy. <laughs> it's like, incredible. Just, yeah. yeah, it blows their mind that that right. was even a thing. Yeah. But then you start talking about energy and they're fascinated. Yeah. And all they needed was someone or some medium to be able to dive in and yeah. learn about it and it's this whole new world that they're not sure. that they're not exposed to. And so, yeah, you know, getting in here and telling the stories of people um uh, in Houston and manufacturing, I mean, we should it, do it. Let's do dude, it, man. Let's do it. 100%. You know what's uh, what I what I love about the story you just said about media and energy and what you guys have done is that um Storytelling is very, very deeply human. You know, we 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 shared history through we shared oral history before written history. So yeah. I think that's one of the things that makes podcasting so weirdly attractive to so many people, listeners, because it taps into that thing that we know how to do. You know, we know how to share oral history. Yeah. And reading is actually, you know, reading and everything else, obviously it's important, but that's actually a very clunky way to share information, like you and I. So mm -hmm. let's say we try to replicate this conversation via an email exchange. First no. of all, we would have given up, you know, a long time ago. I'm we, I'm a big believer in not having important conversations through text because there's so much nuance and context that's right. lost in that <clears throat> yeah. exchange, and so yeah. So you need yeah. that. I think I think the media opportunity in sort of the industrial world that you and I know is so nascent, and you guys are one of the one of the leaders there, but uh, that's my hope for Manufacture Houston that I just wanted to begin, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, I knew it wouldn't be great, yeah. but I didn't worry about that. Um, I as, wanted, as you should, yeah, like, just, just get, get it out. started. Yeah. Just get started. Honestly, yeah. Colin, like, you know, <laughs> we talked about innovation earlier. This is a great example of that. Like I felt, I felt as though, let me just go first, get it out there, do it on zoom, you know, and get 14 listeners or whatever we have. Yeah. But then that led to, to this conversation that we're having like okay then what what else can we do it compounds over time it compounds over time but you someone know, has to go first someone has to just go do something yeah a lot of people you know they'll see our podcast and they think that this is where you you start off at i've been putting out content for almost nine years now yes which is very early that's early nine yes. years ago is early yes well, I now created, is early but my claim to fame is that i created the first oil and gas meme that was out <laughs> on vine you did <laughs> yeah and it went viral and uh and that what was, was like viral a, back then like seven likes or something <laughs> yeah it's like yeah i got 300 likes on yeah. this Right. Went semi-viral. Right. Um, Half of them were people that yeah, you knew. No, actually, it did it. It did really well. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so one, 
um, you know, recorded our first podcast in 2016. Oh, wow. And it wasn't this show. It, me and Jake had this whole, I don't even want to talk about it because yeah. it's, it's cringe thinking about it. But <laughs> that's like, okay. it takes a long time and yeah. you just get started and you reiterate yeah. over time. And it's like, even now, like, yeah, you know, I love this, this studio setup that we have. But now I'm like, nice. think about something way better. Like, yeah. and you just, you, you get better production quality, better yeah. at, interviewing and so mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i mean like, well, even I, love, like, I love that you just like yeah get started on zoom let's like, do yeah. it yeah i know well i mean i think you also improve the quality of your guests like you took a step yeah. backwards by having me on here but it's all right you gotta have some regression you do have a little while. regression like <laughs> i'm gonna make the next guest look great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i have this picture that i i love this picture because um we started actually our podcast in 2018 when this was still the can in this building yeah uh, we had an interior closet on the other side of the building, oh, you did. and our podcast table was uh, this dining room table from Jake's garage. Oh, that's funny. And uh, and then our lighting, we had this chair, and we bought this floor lamp from Target to hang it over, like the most ghetto setup oh, ever. And yeah. like had executives from like Schlumberger and like Dan Pickering, <laughs> and I got like pictures of them. We're all sitting at this dining room table with like this. That's funny. You just get like you just. But I think that's started. the nature of the. I think that's the nature of the the channel. I, I don't think it can be. Especially early, it should not be overproduced. No, because I it can't. It's going to be as real as you can make it. People and, connect uh, with genuine and authentic uh, content. And mm -hmm. I think that's actually one thing um, technical professionals, whether it's in energy or manufacturing, probably, um, not probably, I know for a fact that they deal with this, that yeah. they don't want to look bad among their peers. Yeah. Um, right. You know, they maybe they don't want to produce content that's like, so basic uh, of understanding that people are like, oh, this person's stupid. They can't talk about yeah. in-depth things. Or, yeah. you know, maybe it's funny. If you ever go look at my TikTok, like I record TikToks off the cuff. Yes. Like I do it in one take. Right. And sometimes like I might like, I remember like this one video I did, like what is a drill bit? It did, you know, 1.1 million views in a week. That's and nuts. Yeah. the reason I got the engagement is because like people are clowning on me in the comments <laughs> and, and making the <laughs> algorithm push it. Cause I said the jets of the drill bit were like up in the drill bit. I said You're it completely weird. Wrong. Yeah, I said yeah. it weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And <laughs> like, it's not that I don't understand yes. the, the subject matter. I just said it weird. Yeah. And yeah. Um, anyways. And so, yeah, like I've actually found the hack to going viral on TikTok. It's like, say something just a little bit, off. off base yeah. and people will come correct you yeah. in the comments and it pushes the algorithm right so yeah <laughs> yeah and, i have to admit yeah. i'm not I'm, I'm not done anything on tiktok you and i talked about this when you were at our shop and yeah you know our channel has been primarily uh linked Dude, would fucking kill it on tiktok i, I think you would like, too but you just i need your help though no, i need I'll your help you doing that. all this because I'm, like, I'm an old guy you, you know, know what tiktok so this is what this is the misconception about TikTok is that everyone thinks that it's like these like just cringy dances right. and trends and shit. And it's not. Yeah. Um, there's this huge um, appetite for knowledge and learning. Oh, really? And That's interesting. The content that does really well mm -hmm. is like showing things, like building things, and that's what you guys do for a living. Is, it is. Yeah, is we that do that. You, is that people you pay things. us to do that? Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know that. Like, you know, I, you could set up a camera. You got. You guys got these huge industrial three D yeah. printers that yeah. are cool as shit. Like, you just set up your your phone and show it doing that. We should do that. I think. Yeah. I do think that we. I think there is an opportunity to to do more of that within yeah. the world of manufacturing and yeah. You know, maybe maybe we think about. I mean, we love the alchemy stories, but I also want to really more so emphasize the Houston story of making stuff, so that 
yeah. person in New York or California or wherever or India, yeah. you know, they they see someone here in Houston making something amazing, and that they yeah. they say, well, gosh, I want to do that too. You know, yeah. I want to. I can make my thing too. Why not? Why don't I come to Houston? I think Houston is. You know, I've lived in Houston for eight or nine years yeah. now, and absolutely love this city. Yeah, me too. One of the reason uh, there, there's a couple reasons that I love it. Um, one of the reasons is that I think that Houston has more opportunity than any city in the world. Um, I agree. Currently, totally I just agree. think that wherever. <laughs> You throw a stone, you can hit opportunity. You can. And, With very um, few people standing in your way. And I think more people willing to help. If you are, my experience, I've been here for longer than you have since yeah. since 1990. And uh, um, my experience with Houston is that if you, and this, I know this is not completely true. I'm not that naive, but generally speaking, if, if you're a good person, you're hardworking, you're not a dick and, you know, you try to do your best, you're going to find people who are willing to to help you in the oh, city. Yeah. And I remember when I showed up here, uh, that was my experience. Like my first job was a reliability engineer in a chemical plant working in Pasadena, you know, looking like me, talking like me. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, my experience with the guys in, in uh, you know, in, in, the, in the control rooms was that, you know, as long as I was there with a good attitude and I, because I didn't know anything. I was like an idiot baby engineer. Yeah. And, uh, but what I found was that if you showed up with the right attitude, people were willing to help. Yeah. Like that. Good old judged boy on, from Pasadena. He didn't care where I was judged from. on work ethic and I think yeah, that's I attitude. think that's really yeah. true about <laughs> yeah. Houston. And yeah. um, you know, I think that uh, I hope that's always true about Houston. And yeah. one of the things, one of the stories I love to tell Colin is that think about where we are as a city. We're a globally prominent city. You know, mm -hmm. leader, uh, global leader in in a lot of different ways: medicine, energy, manufacturing, mm -hmm. and, and other things. And um, you know, we didn't exist that long ago. Within three generations, this city has emerged from from nothing almost. Yeah. And so how many how many globally prominent cities, and there's some amazing cities around the planet, can boast that in three generations they have reached that status? Look at London, Paris, New York, Beijing, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. Houston, Houston did this on light speed. So yeah. there is something about, about this, yeah. something about yeah. this place that allows that to happen and yeah. so you fast forward in the next generation you know people like you that what are we going to what what can be produced out of this city and um yeah you know i think it's uh and yeah you know i've, like, I've, I've never thought about that you yeah know, the timeline that, that's super fascinating it's so it's so, it's so, it's so fast and uh you know it's like yeah and this shitty weather in july and this you know there's 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 mosquitoes and hurricanes and all that stuff is 100 percent true yeah <laughs> all it's 100 percent true however but also, um, you know, the most diverse city yes. in the United States, which leads to, in my opinion, the best food scene oh, in the United it's States. It's the best so, food city in America. Oh, yeah. 100%, no doubt. dude. No and I'm doubt. so food driven. That, look, yeah. dude, you know, I lived up in the mountains as a kid mm -hmm. in elementary school, lived up in Mount Rainier in Washington State. I grew up in the forest. Yeah. I know what it's like to have that stuff. Yeah. Cool. I can get on a plane and go do that stuff. But like yeah. at home, like, <laughs> The, the people that yeah. we have here, you know, I, I wanted to tell a story because one of my former business partners, um, he's from South Korea. Mm -hmm. The only two places that he's lived in the United States are Silicon Valley and New York City. Okay. And so, uh, you know, he's a hyper liberal guy mm -hmm. and um, he just, you know, kind of got that asshole mentality <laughs> and he moved down here to Houston for something that we were building. And his comment was like, I cannot believe how helpful 
people in this city are. Yeah. He's like, people yeah. will just meet with me and are willing to help with mm -hmm. nothing in return. And everyone's so friendly and yeah. completely changed the way that this guy so viewed true. the world. <laughs> yeah, it is true, man. I mean, that's, that's what, that, I think that's who we are, are here on, I think on, on balance. And, uh, you know, my 30 plus years living in the city, that's, that's been my experience over and over and over again. You know, even, even, you know, when we launched, uh, Alchemy two years ago, uh, and, and John, who I mentioned earlier, who was one of our co-founders, um, I, I've known him for about a decade, maybe longer, but, uh, so, literally it was a like a four slide powerpoint deck and 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 i'm not kidding it basically said let's build shit here that yeah. was kind of the thesis <laughs> yeah. and i remember john's like okay mush what are we gonna build i'm like fuck if i know i don't really know <laughs> <laughs> but, but i know we should build stuff here and we kind of had a general idea yeah. and you know since that time we've we really focused in on you know, battery systems, power electronics. I also, uh, I want to show this up yeah. there, uh, from the last time that you and I talked about the <laughs> podcast, you know, manufacture Houston, but yeah. I believe that it's MF Houston. Yes. Like, yeah. It's also doubles as motherfucking it, Houston. Right. <laughs> so I have to credit Justin Overstreet for coming up with that idea. I don't know if you know Justin, but you know, he came up with the idea of, uh, MF Houston. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll tag a lot of our post MF Houston. That is the idea. Like, yeah. uh, it is it. motherfucking Houston. I love and it. My, it. my first idea was, was uh houston we make shit but i thought oh man what if you emphasize the wrong word you know like houston <laughs> yeah. we make shit yeah we make shit yeah <laughs> yeah it can be twisted justin yeah. was like no 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 yeah we don't gotta, do that we, we definitely gotta make some uh merch yeah. and swag oh, for mf houston man, mf so. houston yeah again yeah. credit justin overstreet he's got uh street smart i think it's street smart podcast but um, cool shout out to justin, justin i don't know I need to, yeah you I should need check to, justin out he's a really good guy yeah i was on his podcast maybe six or eight months ago and cool. he's really doing some great stuff. And so Love his, it. his, uh, his, uh, focus is on like everyday entrepreneurs and yeah. in and around the city. So yeah. he's, he's got really, really Very great cool. things. So he's yeah. the one that came up with MF Houston, but the, yeah, the, nice. the merchandise opportunities on that. Huge, dude. Killer. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. We're absolutely crushing. That's that. right. So, yeah. You know, we uh, we're coming on the end of this podcast. I bet me and you could talk for yeah. hours, yeah. and uh, probably we'll continue to do that in, love to. in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, if someone wants to work with you guys, is interested yeah. in, um, you know, one, give your quick plug in here for the sure. type of people that y'all y'all yeah. work with, and then where they can find you at. Yeah. So, uh, so where they can find us? Uh, look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, this dude's putting out content like crazy on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, I'm like, Super good content like my, too. my content, I don't really think about it, which is probably a problem, but um, I just post whatever I'm thinking about yes. on that day. It's, and a stream, it's a stream of conscience. That's all it is. It's a stream you know, of conscience. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of learned this lesson from what Gary Vee said about document, you yeah. know, and so that's literally all that's I'm so doing. so funny because <laughs> I um, took that away from Gary Vee. Yeah. I think it was back in like 2016. Really? It was document, don't create. Yes. Yeah. And I all like I was like, okay, like that's how I naturally. So you read my posts. Yeah. A lot of times my posts are, it's just a, a stream of consciousness going through my head. Yeah. It's like a diary entry for me. Like yeah. sometimes I'm writing content and it's like for myself. Yeah. And right. other people might just resonate with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the idea that, um, you know, my kids are young. If something happens, I leave this podcast, I get in a car wreck yeah. and I, I die. My kids have something to go look back on. Yeah. 
and they'll listen to this podcast. Yeah. History is uh, a powerful thing. Yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah, you got to leave and trail so, notes, I think, yeah, behind you. Which is funny because you talked about the origination of content. Like, yeah. my mind went to hieroglyphics and yeah. how people told stories through, like, visuals yes. and things yeah. of that nature. No, so. that's right. I think I think that's, um, that's very true. Um, so LinkedIn is a place to connect with us. Well, so in terms of what Alchemy now really does, so the first 18 months – of, of running the business, we kind of were in the wilderness on what we were going to make. And, and um, we really try to pay attention to market demand. And we're just now feeling where that demand is coming on for us. Uh, so we focus on batteries and power electronics and all the related systems that go into energy storage systems. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're still babies in that business. You know, we're still, we still will fuck it up some, sometimes. And, yeah. But we're learning and uh, we've learned a lot, especially these last six months. Uh, we're beginning to win customers and working hard to do a good job for them. We don't always do a good job for them because it's that point that you and I talked about in a in an entrepreneur's journey where the business is starting to hit that acceleration point mm-hmm. and your team is way overtaxed and you're yeah. so scared to add payroll too quickly because like you're gonna run out of money and you know and that's horrible and and uh, yeah I, I made a, I made a comment earlier. I don't know if it was before recording, but all of us founders, like it's all the same yeah. stuff. Like I literally had this conversation <laughs> yesterday. I'm like, man, like I know we need to make this higher, but I'm also trying to literally cut burn rate and yeah. keep that capped and you yeah. deal with these things. And um, especially when you're not a heavily funded you know, right. Silicon Valley software company that's raised a hundred million dollars and yeah, you can just go deploy capital. I no. mean, these are real, real challenges that you have yeah. To so we're we're excited with. though uh, about the some of the the opportunities to add talent. We, yeah. we think we've got a strategic approach that we're we're working through right now, um, and we're still a baby company, a very small organization. I think by the end of this year, we'll be, you know, we'll probably uh, quintuple in size, uh, which doesn't sound. Don't be too impressed because the you know the beginning number is not that big, but <laughs> you know I think we'll we'll hit um, we'll hit probably. A dozen plus engineers by the rest by the That's end awesome. of the year, and, and yeah. uh, so which the, is you know a material step change from an operations perspective. Yeah, I mean, yeah. um, you know, we have fifteen people now, and yeah. we hit twelve people. <clears throat> yeah, That's, things change. Yeah, things yeah. change, and then. You go from that to thirty. That's probably right. another milestone, and right. so that's exciting, man. That's, it is. Uh, you know, uh, awesome. uh, we, the, the type of engineers that we're looking for when we're beginning to hire are um, definitely mechanicals. We've got mechanicals on board. I'm a mechanical engineer, but they don't really let me engineer stuff. You're not you allowed know? to build anything. Not allowed, def- absolutely <laughs> not. Like, kind of chase me out with a broom. You just do the podcast. That's now. it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like the outside guy. But um, so, um, and then we're hiring um, hiring electronics, electrical engineers, software firmware. Cool. Uh, you know, people like that. So think about the way we think about this. And even though we're focused on energy storage systems, um, 50, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, products were mechanical in nature. And then mm-hmm. 50 years ago, they became electromechanical. Uh, now they are, almost every product is electromechanical cyber in nature. And so yeah. the engineering skill set required to make modern day products is very, very different. And the engineers that you need I think the primary skill set, and so if you're a baby engineer out there listening or you're about to graduate, what I would say is that the key skill to figure out is integration knowledge. How do you integrate multiple disciplines together to make something? Because none of this can be siloed. None of this can. So if you build a mechanical device and you haven't properly allocated for sensor space or the heat that comes from an electrical component or whatever, it's never going to work right. You know, And so I think that I think that's a critical skill, and it's one that we really look that's, for. That's you know the same thing that I've been preaching for the last five years in oil and gas. If you're an engineer, you're a geologist. Yeah. Like 
hey, moving into a software world, a data world, you need to yeah. have, you need to be multidisciplined <clears throat> because that's where you become valuable. If you do, you're not just an SME in this one discipline, you are the one that can bring all of this knowledge yeah. together. And not saying that you have to know anything and everything about those individual disciplines. You right. can probably find other SMEs to rely on. Right. But being able to bring all of that together into an idea. Um, That's is critical. Well, critical. The, the last thing I would say on that um, comment is that um, what I would add to that skill set would be um, a huge gap in the industrial market, which is user user interface. So user interface is shitty in the industrial world. There is no user interface. There's no UX <laughs> happening. Yeah. And, you know, and very little design thinking because engineers in school are uh, taught to make a product with a desired function at the center of design, not the human that has to operate it. Yeah. But we don't have enough humans that know how to operate machines and make stuff. So I think the the leading engineers of the future will be have these people that can integrate knowledge, but also know how to think about UX, UI when it yeah. comes to complex machines. Yeah. Because that human becomes incredibly va valuable, incredibly yeah. valuable. So this yeah, is I down was, to- I was, you know, this is very simple use case, yeah. but we're looking at potentially a new office and I'm working with the architect mm -hmm. and, you know, they send me over a design in AutoCAD yeah. and I don't know how to work AutoCAD. I'm not an engineer. I don't yeah. have access to it. And I'm like, there has to be a better software solution <laughs> where I can take a- floor plan, I can put in the elements, hey, I need a 10 by 10 yeah. office, I need five of these, I need a conference room, and yeah. then I can use AI and have a nice user interface where I just click a button mm -hmm. and boom. And that's yeah. like there and that's just a super low level engineering. Well so um, think, think about this. So but, think, think about Iron Man, the movie and Jarvis. Uh the and Jarvis is basically AR VR, mm -hmm. uh, you know, visualization is incredible, et cetera. That's not exactly science fiction anymore. No. You know, it's not science fiction. But what's really hard about that is how can you build those systems that integrate those knowledge, the, that knowledge together, to where you have a you have a great natural language interface, which is one of the reasons why I'm excited about Chat GPT. Yeah, and I've, I've experimented with it. That's a UI UX opportunity. You know, so if you're mm -hmm. if you're wouldn't we all love to say, um, you know, your version of Jarvis, I'm going to design this drill bit and here are the input conditions and to speak naturally. We don't speak naturally to this massive of information that's available to us. And so yeah. we need engineers, I think, that can design those kinds of things. And um, yeah, it's, the, 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 the language models and things around in industry are super um, I could go on yeah. forever about that because I think that there is just this blue ocean of innovation that, yeah. that comes or that comes to that. I mean, you already, you want to talk about like manufacturing, like we manufacture content yeah, using sure. AI yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I can go to chat GPT and mm -hmm. I can create an entire script, uh, for a piece of Isn't content and it's yeah. crazy. That's and, just version three. Wait yeah. Four well, you know, out. what's funny is cause I first learned about GPT on mm -hmm. uh, GPT two mm -hmm. because someone built a bot on Twitter that took my tweets and like nine other people's tweets yeah. as the inputs. Yeah. And this bot would just tweet all day about energy and it was fucking unbelievable. I did nuts. not believe that it was a bot because there was so much nuance in contextual, 
like you know just jabs that yes. it would take yeah. and every revolutionary once, technology every once in a while you could tell when it was influenced by my tweets you could see the frack slap <laughs> you yeah. know kind of attitude come through its yeah. tweets but it was just insane and that really opened up my mind to what the possibilities were yeah. but um yeah well i think the future of te technology we could go on for this i think with this for a long time i think the when i you know there's always sort of the fear of technology as there should be you know um there's always this sort of uh, Promethean myth, myth that people have. You know, they're afraid of fire, as we, you know, you should be afraid of fire. But, but on balance, I'm a probably an optimist when it comes to this. But um, again, probably naively. So I think the, I think technology, good technology, should should meet a few very important requirements, even in the industrial world. Mm -hmm. And I, I would argue that. So you and I are using great technology right now and we're actually not even thinking about it mm -hmm. uh, and it meets a few requirements which is it disappears from our own, own experience mm -hmm. and it extends our capabilities as a human yep. so the shoe okay so the shoe is a really advanced piece of technology makes us more human not less human yeah and so i think good technology over the over the decades and years to come will be those things that make us more human yeah and i, I in I, my view that's a great filter to look at sustainable long-term technology what will make us more human yeah even in the industrial world what will make that person operating in the oil field or in a manufacturing plant or in a mine or wherever make them more human that's those are the important things to work on and so we think about how we we're trying to build machines um that's that's a very yeah. important part of what we look at have you ever read the book shoe dog yes phil knight's book yes incredible isn't it amazing but you book. just brought up uh shoes and it's hard for you know, someone my age or your age mm -hmm. to, we take shoes for granted. Yeah. And you listen to that book and I mean, tennis shoes weren't a thing. They weren't a thing at they all. They weren't a thing. Yeah. And so how visionary yeah. Phil Knight was to, you know, have this vision that everyone would wear tennis shoes and it would just become something that enabled us to do more. Yeah. And um, you take, now we just take that, you know, for granted. It's just we an do. extension of ourselves. But you yeah. remove that barrier of where we see it as a technological innovation yeah. and so um not to get into this but it's been what a lot of my beef has been with like blockchain applications yeah. is everyone focuses like oh it's a blockchain application yeah. i'm like no one gives a shit about the technology no one. how are you making their life better and that's make it. an extension of themselves yeah. so that's why we should super, that's what we should be doing all yeah. of us so super cool to hear how you think about that from a manufacturing perspective so guys <clears throat> and girls if you're listening to this uh show and one if you're a mechanical engineer, um, you say electrical engineers too, y'all. Any any variety of wizards. If you're a smart person yeah. that uh, <laughs> wants to go do some really dope shit and build some stuff, uh, go check these guys out. Um, I've I've been out to their facility, super cool spot. Um, you can tell from this show. I mean, um, you know, taking a, a visionary uh, perspective on manufacturing. I love like boring industries and like, <laughs> you know, how can we disrupt this? So super cool opportunity there. If you're a company that, uh, uh, potentially, uh, needs to manufacture something, um, also reach out. We'll drop a link to what is the website? Alchemyindustrial.com. Cool. We'll drop a link to that. We'll also drop a link to the podcast. So if Thank you guys want to go, uh, check out the podcast, Hopefully soon, yes. uh, digital walkaders will be helping out with that too, yeah. as well. Be creating some content. We should, man. So let's let's let's, let's not do wait. it, man. Yeah. Let's let's make it happen. Love so, it. dude, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank this you is for awesome. your time. This is this is great, and congrats yeah. on your success. I'm hey, really happy for same, you. Same to you, man. Thank it's you. awesome Thank to be you. surrounded by other people that are just building and making things happen. So, 
If y'all like this show, please leave us a review, share it with a friend. If you have friends in manufacturing, um, in the energy industry, people that are bullish on Houston, send this to them. That's, uh, helps us out a ton. That's how we grow the shows by word of mouth. So catch y'all on the next episode. Come, 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 come.